Dr. Helen Hall, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're looking at your blog on The Guardian. You say that the big society which David Cameron and his colleagues have launched uh, needs to, if you like, embrace markets for social enterprises to tap into. You can't just set up a social enterprise if there is no market. Yes, I agree. That's It's really important that social enterprises have access to markets in order to generate an income stream. The principle of social enterprise is that they are organisations that pursue financial sustainability through exploiting market opportunities. And if there are no markets, then there's a real problem for a strategy that is based around developing a market. But the word social enterprise, doesn't the social mean that there is an element of giving, that perhaps you give your labour free, your time free, that you don't need to be commercial in the way that other organisations are? They're not there to make a profit. And don't agree with you on all those points. The social enterprise is really a vehicle for achieving social good through an enterprise-based strategy. So, yes, some social enterprises do rely on volunteer labour to supplement their business model. But a social enterprise that didn't have an income stream would really be an organisation that was exposing itself to a lot of risk in terms of long-term sustainability. And so the first thing to do if you are setting up as a social enterprise is to, to look at the markets and the second thing is to decide what type of business model you want to adopt. What are the choices on offer? There are a range of different business models and many social enterprises are juggling different income streams. Many still rely on a certain element of grants to raise revenue. But the real thrust behind social enterprises is searching for viable markets that they can deliver products and services to. But what about the grants and donations aspect of it? Because they're delivering their services. Some will be fully paid up professional people, the accountants, the chief executives. Others may be volunteers or or helpers recruited at odd times of the week or month to help out. But um, they'll fundraise as well as getting fees for offering their services. Yes, I mean, mixed models are very common within the social enterprise sector, yes. But... You know, long-term sustainability will really come from having income streams that are reliable and sustainable in the long term. And that can be related to um, identifying market opportunities and delivering products and services to those markets. If your business model is reliant on grants and donations, then really you've adopted a strategy which means that you're going to rely on the generosity of other sources of funds. And the current recession is bound to have an impact on that level of of income because as people feel the strain, they're going to make cuts in their own expenditure. And that's bound to impact on the amount of money that they perhaps donate to charities on an individual level. And and then you've also got the double whammy of donations perhaps going down, not in all cases. Uh, People might give a little more often, but but also the local authority cutback. So charities aren't going to be funded, even though there's, you know, a new one million pound fund for them. They're losing much more many millions in terms of the local authority cutbacks. That's right. Um, The previous administration placed a great deal 
deal of importance on encouraging social enterprises to bid for contracts to deliver public services. And so many have adopted such strategies. Now, the, the new administration in the, in the current economic climate is, is forcing local authorities to make cuts in their expenditure. And so that's bound to feed through to the contracts that they have on offer for social enterprises to compete for. So I think, yes, you're right in using the expression that there's a double whammy. They're going to be impacted on by the cuts in um, government expenditure, but also on the flow of funds from the charitable sector. And, and in terms of sort of getting the new funds on offer, if you like turning on a sixpence and saying, you know, it's the chief executive's nightmare in the so-called third sector that they get funding, employ staff, that funding r- runs out, they have to fill in uh, more forms. Is there more f- form-filling bureaucracy for charities uh, and social enterprises in the future? Well, in, any funds that are earned from contracts with local authorities come with a whole package of form filling, not just in terms of bidding for those funds, but also in reporting back how those funds have been spent. But it's also the same with many charities, that they will require a certain amount of form filling. But So, yes, I mean, these administration costs need to be built into the business model of social enterprises. And, yes, many are have, have to really step up to the mark in terms of their ability to compete for contracts. And part of that process is learning the language of local authorities and learning how to actually make those bids and how to report those bids. Well, we've sort of expressed, if you like, the dark side mm-hmm. of, of the social enterprise and charitable sector at this present time in an economic climate of cutbacks and, and uh, restraint. But it's not just a cheapskate way of getting local services delivered by uh, charities or social enterprises, is it? That we do know that social enterprises can be more responsive to local needs. They can spring up because Aunt Ada isn't get, getting the um, daily meals on wheels she wants or someone's child is injured in a car accident. So a new Headways uh, hospital is formed over in Northamptonshire, for instance. They can provide very responsive services to local people. That's right. I mean, one of the added values of a social enterprise delivering a service is that its mission is oriented towards uh, maximising social returns for the benefit of communities. And through their connections and closeness to communities, yes, they can be more responsive and more able to tailor the services for local communities. And equally, they can actually involve through those networks, local people in designing the services. So they are, they, they have the potential to be very responsive, more so than perhaps more bureaucratic organisations that might be involved in delivery. Yes, so you know, the, 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 cli- the economic climate is difficult, but the added value is there if you can uh, adopt a strategy that encourages social enterprises to be part of a, a range of delivery vehicles. And, and you did just advise didn't you at the beginning that you know we've got to review the full market potential mm-hmm. of our social enterprise you know is there really a market for it but the other thing you talk of is full cost recovery can you just explain to our Cambridge Judge Business School listeners here in our podcast series today what full cost recovery means the point I was trying to make is that 
when an organisation delivers services, it can count the economic costs and it can calculate how many people are going to be required to deliver a, a range of services or a contract. You can also put a, a value on the resources that are needed to deliver those services. But what's much harder is to actually capture that, that those benefits that we've just talked about in terms of closeness to community, the added value that a social enterprise can, can deliver in a contract. And the, it's, those are the, the costs of, of working with communities, of, of, of generating consensus within the community. And it's, those are the costs that are very difficult to put a, a value on, but are actually the added value that social enterprises offer. And my point was that this added value of social enterprises is rarely costed when uh, contracts are being prepared or uh, opportunities to bid for service contracts are being prepared. So it's, it's something that is, is, is difficult to value but is the added value. And unless and until social enterprises can find a way of putting a, a value on that, they're going to continue offering that and not charging for it. And, and so you're adamantly and categorically saying they should charge for all their time, all their volunteers' time. You know, they should be commercial, if you like, not just in looking for their markets, but in what they charge. That, that you know, the lesson of recent social history is that if you don't charge enough, your social enterprise won't succeed. Well, there are two very important points there. Yes, we want social enterprises to succeed because of the value that they're adding to society. There's a note of caution in saying that they must charge for everything because what we what we want to protect is the, the nature of social enterprises and we don't want them just to be like private companies. So we want to keep that value but we want to find a way of ensuring that the added benefits that they deliver are are recognised and rewarded. So it's it's a difficult point to make categorically. So we want to protect their distinctiveness, but we don't want to shortchange them in what we pay them for the services that they deliver. Dr. Helen Hoare, just one final question. If we're going to encourage these social enterprises to be active partners in Startup Britain and reward them for the full cost of the economic, social and environmental contributions they make to society, do we, in truth, really know what they are, the so-called outcomes, or are we still just finding our way a little? At this stage, we have a number of different models for measuring social impact, and those models have not coalesced into a set of standard metrics. So we are making huge progress in developing tools and techniques for measuring social impact, but we're some way off from having a standardised set of tools that are universally applicable across all different organisations. So, Dr Helen Hoare, if people read your blog and they want advice on setting up their social enterprises, can they come to you for tips and advice? People can certainly approach me for more information about social enterprises. And if it's something that I can't help them with, then I'm very happy to uh, put them in touch with other organisations that might have the expertise that they're looking for. Dr Helen Hall, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today on your Guardian blog, Social Enterprise and Startup Britain. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you, Bonnie.